Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 39. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week, we'll be talking about the 2013 horror movie, Haunter. Haunter. Also, incidentally, the 93rd Pokemon. <laughs> you looked up the number, or did you just know that? The world will never Expose know. Expose your nerdiness. <laughs> I feel like Haunter's a weird noun. It doesn't. It doesn't slip off the tongue. As in, it's one who haunts, right? Yeah. So, but I don't like it. It don't like it, it. I've seen this movie before, and I felt the same way that I did on it back then. That I just don't like it as a a title, as a noun, as like as a person who haunts. I don't like calling them a haunter. You know, it doesn't sound. It doesn't just doesn't sound right to me. Do you prefer Ghastly and Gengar? <laughs> yes. Okay, I was just wondering. I love all ghost Pokemon. Oh, good. They're all good. I, I like think that all. Haunter is kind of overshadowed by Gengar, because Gengar is so cool. <laughs> I really love Gengar. Thanks for doing what I asked you to and exposing your nerdiness. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not Pokemon. This movie. Was directed by Vincenzo Natale, who's the guy who made Cube, which oh, is... what that is. Cube 2 is called Hypercube. Um <laughs> Uh, he also Facts. made Splice, which was the genetic horror movie uh, monster that thing. That sounds more familiar. Anyway. I still don't know what it is. It was also written by Brian King, who's someone I don't really know. Cool. Uh, I'd also like to say, uh, hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. This episode's a little bit late because of it. Yeah, and the thing is, we watched this movie before we went away for Thanksgiving... And now it's a week after Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. This will be a fun episode. We let the holiday get away from us, and I don't remember a lot of this movie, so we're going to we're gonna do a little, we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're going to meander our way through <laughs> this episode. <laughs> listen, listen, we're going to have some fun. Have some fun with us. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Play with us. I was going to say that. I was gonna, dude, that's, maybe it's copyright. The macros are going to like. DM, 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 <laughs> They're going to sue you. <laughs> Uh, so this movie is kind of good. I was off the bat. We watch a lot of low budget ish horror movies that are kind of like this. Yeah. Uh, this isn't a this good. isn't a masterpiece, but I really enjoyed it. It's not bad. It's definitely lower budget than a more effective thing. There's a lot of yes. visual stuff in this that does not look great. No. Especially because it's you know it's 2013 and not 2007. But I think that like the conceit is really strong. And the conceit is really strong. It could be stronger. That's I guess that's really what it is. Is like it's a good idea executed okay. Yeah, not even not even executed poorly. Yeah. Executed literally okay. It's one of those movies that I'm like, oh, I wish you just had someone in the room who said this needs one more draft. Right? Yeah. No, I, like, I agree. Let's tighten up these little holes. Let's because it's. I mean, let's just get into it. Like, it's a really simple twist. On a classic plot, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Like, that's a really good way to describe it, is just that. And this is, like, this is how they bill it. This is, like, the, you know, the little hook of the movie is, like, the main character is the ghost. Yes. And she is being haunted by the people who are living. And she's also haunting the living in, not, in her own way. It's, it's, it's not it's, quite that, because that's the others. Yes. Sorry, uh, but yes. that's... <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's not as linear as that, because the twist of, the twist of the others is just, like, you thought they were alive and they're dead. Yeah. This, and you thought these people were ghosts, but they're alive. You find out very quickly that they're dead, 
but I think it's doing something more complicated, perhaps to it its is. detriment. Yes, that the, it, it's dealing with time and different timelines. Yes, in a way and that the is future and the past. It gets very confusing. I think that we should get into some of the plot, but I think that like. I really want to praise this movie for its ambition. Yes. But the execution is not entirely there, unfortunately. Yeah. But, like, I really... I think it deserves credit for Dreaming Big, honestly. Because it's it's not a... It's not something I've seen executed this way in a horror movie before, and... Right, because with the others, it's it's far more clean cut. Yeah. And the twist, the big twist is at the end. This is, like, there's all these little mini... Not twists... Them being dead is the first twist. Other than that, there aren't really twists. There's just turns uh-huh. that the plot takes. And I, again, I appreciate it. I appreciate the way that it unfolds. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of enjoyed this movie. I think that if... Listeners, if you want to go watch it, I don't think it's a waste of your time. No. Uh, it's... I mean, it's... I don't... Don't be mistaken about anything we say here. It's not going <laughs> to knock your socks off. No. But I think it's it's enjoyable. It's all, And yeah. I was pleasantly surprised and by I, it. And I have a... I have a attachment to Abigail Breslin because I am an American person who grew up in the time that we grew up where we saw her when she was little. No, you know what I mean. The same way that people are tied to like Dakota Fanning where you're like, I have been watching this person act since they were like a small, small child and now they're like a grown up. And it's it, even if she's not like giving the performance of a lifetime, if you feel, don't you feel like a little bit connected to her? Yeah, I mean, yeah. As much as any child star who continues acting into their adulthood. I really... I I can't say that I care that much about her. She was great in Little Miss Sunshine. I was, I was thinking and about like, Little Miss Sunshine. I can't think of anything she's done more recently that has really impressed me. Uh, she's now. kind of become a bit of a, like a scream queen, actually, after this. She was on the show Scream Queens, but also she like... She was! I forgot she, about that! She's doing a lot of horror movies lately, and I'm very interested by that, that like that's the mm-hmm. direction that her career has taken. Not like, you know, Do you think big... that happens to a lot of child stars? I think it depends. We shouldn't, you know, ruminate too much on Evelyn Breslin's career, but, like, I think that, like, you could go the Hollywood, like, blockbuster route, which right. I think she could have. I mean, Ender's mm-hmm. Game kind of flopped, but, like... Uh, she Ender's Game? Yeah. I didn't see it. In general, I think that, like, you have to want to keep doing horror movies in order to do it. Like, you don't... You don't just fall into doing a million horror movies. I, you have to want it. I actually feel it. like you kind of do, because there's just so many of them. And maybe, like, there's also so many, like, low-budget romantic comedies that I'm just not aware of. But I feel like I see that a lot on certain people's resumes, that they're just doing tons of horror. Don't you feel like you see that? No. I do. I feel like I look at people's IMDb's, especially for people who come up on this podcast, who then I look through what they do, and they're just doing a ton of horror. And oh. there are people who always wind up in horror movies because of their I look, I guess. I agree with those, like a lot of the like nobody actors on these things, or like sort yeah. of C-list. Abigail Breslin was, at least for a time, kind of a, a darling. And she that's why there. it surprised me that like this is the direction her career is taken. That's all. Yeah. I, you know, I guess I just, I just feel like what happens a lot of the time, at least from my outside perspective, is like one person does one horror movie and then they start getting scouted by other horror movies. Like, I just feel like that it looks like that sometimes with actors because they end up on horror movies all the time, even if they were something else before. Like, I mean, again, I hate bringing up Supernatural, but, like, Jensen Ackles was a daytime TV star and he could have kept doing stuff like that. He did, like, a couple horror things and now he's just purely associated with horror that and is horror a, television. That is a huge career, like, improvement, though. That's not fair. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually trying to say that there's anything bad about doing only horror. I just think that there's people who like, for whatever reason, tend towards the horror genre. And I don't know if it's because of their acting or because of their look or because of whatever. So what point are you trying to make? Just that like, maybe Abigail Breslin isn't like, she's not like, I'm only going to do horror movies now. It's like she did one horror movie and then a bunch of people were like, you were great in horror movie A, please be in my horror movie B, please be in my horror movie C. You know what I mean? But of course you haven't heard of any of the horror movies she in. So it's like, it's not like she's, she's not Claude Grace Moretz, right? Right. Oh, you mean like doing the good, know, horror, the, the good horror circuit, all the remakes? Yeah. Well, you know, who knows? So this movie is about Abigail Breslin, who was 17 at the time of making this. That's nice uh, that she was actually a teenager. She plays Lisa Johnson, who is a disaffected, moody teen who likes Susie and the Banshees and other, like, Joy Division and, like, 70s. 80s post-punk. When you said her name, I was just remembered that that's the first line of the Lisa. movie. Lisa! Lisa Johnson! And it happens so many times, because this movie loops. Uh, yeah, so it opens up, and she's in a, in, a, in a time loop, and we find out very quickly uh, she's going through her day as a teenager, just like a... And so- we recognize that she has been through this time loop at least a few times. Because well, she says the same thing over and over again. Well, even in the first loop, she she snaps at her mom about, you know... You asked me to do it. I did it yesterday, and you just don't remember. Yeah. My favorite thing, one of my favorite things she does, just off the bat, um, is her mother asks her, I guess pres- you can presume every morning, what she wants to do for her birthday, which is the next day. Yeah, her 16th and the way, birthday her, is the next day. The next day. And every single time, she answers with the most deadpan, I've said it a million times... Ask me tomorrow. And the way she says it, other things that she does during the day, you can tell she's trying to shake it up or she's trying to like break her family out of whatever spell they're under or whatever. But the way she always says that, she just goes, Ask me tomorrow. It is the most like frustrated person caught in a time loop I've ever seen. So, what I think works most about this is first of all, I, I, I don't see it done very often that we are coming in as viewers in Medias Res to a character who has already been in a time loop for a while. Yeah. This isn't us discovering with the character that they're in a time loop. Uh, she's She's been through the ringer. She's yeah. bored of it already. Super bored. And as we come in, she's already, like, doing things knowing that they have no consequences. Like Right, because you know. the inciting incident isn't that she uh, is in the time loop. It's that something changes. Yeah. And we have no idea how long it's been. Right. Or how long, or how long she might have been in a time loop before, before she realized she they call it like waking up in the movie before she realized that like this is the same day over and over yeah because um, her thing, family doesn't realize yeah well but to that point I think the other thing that's really cool that kind of had me in awe in this first like ten minutes is they have like a sit down conversation about like you know I mean like she's like a a, a gothy teen yeah she's angsty. and they apply this like parents just don't understand framework to her trying to explain to them that they're in a time loop and she's telling right. her parents like. It's no, the same you, like, way over and over again. I keep telling you, you never listen to me, except it's about being in a time loop, which I thought was, like, such a clever, like, fun yes. twist on, like, yes, two but, tropes. And because, like, she's, the way she says it, she'll go, like, we're living the same day over and over again. We get up, we have macaroni and cheese for dinner, we have, like, you know, we watch this TV show, and her parents are like, are you trying to say that you're bored with your life? Are you trying to say that, like, <laughs> that you feel like you're not going anywhere? And it's, like, it's so funny to see them misunderstand her. 
both in like a fun teen way and also because like you understand that the rules of this game are that they she's not going to convince them until they want to be convinced, right. right? Like they're not going to hear it. So this proceeds for a while of her we see, you know, in order to get the clues of like what's the stuff that happens every day as we start to pick up on and at some point in these loops she sees something behind the washing machine and she moves the washing machine out of the way and she finds like a, a door there. Uh, and then she gets called away. And then, I don't think it's the same loop. I think another time, because yeah. she, again, she retains her memories each time. Yes. Um, she gets on a Ouija board and starts trying to, again, she's just so bored and she's living the same day. She's like <laughs> trying to talk to people at the Ouija board and the lights flicker and like, it seems like she contacts a ghost. She sees someone in the uh, reflection of the television screen. Yeah. For the oh, record, man. as viewers at this point, we don't know that she's dead. Yes, we do. No, we don't. Are you sure? Yeah, because we don't know what, what the deal with the fog is and everything. Yeah, at this point, we don't know that she's dead. You've seen the movie before. That's uh, why you know. I guess. I don't remember. At this point of the movie, we don't know that the, the family's dead, just that she's in a time loop. So, and I don't think... Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. I forget that there's like a... Like a... you She's in a time loop before you realize that she's dead. Yes. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so she's like presumably talking to spirits. Um, and then the next loop... Her father's smoking. And she freaks out. She's like, this has never happened before. Happened before. But her mom is like, your father always smokes after dinner. Uh, and they're not going to watch Murder, She Wrote, which they always do yeah. after dinner. Is that, the, uh, is that the first change? It's those two together on the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, as a viewer, we've seen it several times. Like, the loop has been modified. She has done something. Yeah. Uh, I think the loop after that starts with a different message on the walkie-talkie. Uh, and then she comes downstairs, and her father's, like, being abusive and, like, throwing stuff Aggressive. around, asking yeah, about spark she, plugs. Yeah, she wakes up to the, the, the voice on the radio. It's her little brother. And he's saying, like, please come downstairs. I'm really scared. And it's her dad freaking out about the spark plugs. About the spark plugs. This is also, this is also I want to say, because the, sh- the movie sets up some really cool clues for you. And the spark plugs are one of them. Spark plugs are a big clue that, like, on this day where her father is so angry, he's figured what's wrong with the car. He's looking for the spark plugs. Her mother also always asks her where the missing clothes are. Yeah. She, she does the laundry in the beginning of the day, and then when her mother comes to her and says, there's clothes missing, do you know what happened to them? And she's always like, no. And you can tell that she's not even thinking about where they could possibly be. She doesn't care. She just like wants her mom to leave her alone. And her brother uh, never wears his glasses, and her mother is always nagging him to wear his glasses, and he never does. And he also has an imaginary friend that will come up later. Yeah. But there's these clues that the movie is laying down for you that will come up later right. that seem uh, arbitrary, but yeah, I, I really wanna, like how they come up later. I didn't want to get into We're, we're not going to talk about all of them on this podcast. That's like a total waste of everyone's time for us to it, go. Though. That's one of my favorite parts. You go item by item about all the stuff? No, no. But those two specifically. Okay. There's a lot of them. We don't need to talk about them. Those are the t- big two, though. This loop where the father is like scary, scary, angry... Totally different from throwing stuff him, around the kitchen. Kitchen, uh, a guy from the phone company comes to the door, um, and immediately Lisa is freaked out by him. She can sense something's different. Well, of course, because like has she, we've seen outside, right? Haven't we? That there's just only fog. So yeah, there's a there's a fog around the house. So like it's weird for anyone to come through it. Um, but again, I feel like she the doesn't. Phones have... are specifically out all the time too. Yeah, it's another thing that's like. We can't talk to anybody because the phones are out and there's this fog, so we can't leave. And the then fo- the car is broken, so we can't yeah. drive it anywhere. There's all these like kind of convenient excuses for why that there it's just the four of them in the house. Uh, but she talks to the phone guy, 
who just, again, is like terrified her and asks her, how long have you been awake? How long have you known? And she says, it's been a week. Again, it seems longer, so it's not really clear, but she says a week. Um, And the scary man tells her to ignore the strange voices that happened when she played with the Ouija board and then when she played her clarinet. Yeah, she plays along to Peter and the Wolf. Yes. And there's somebody else playing along like along like with, with her, her kind yeah. of. And also like that sometimes when she plays the clarinet, somebody whispers to her. And tells her not to contact the living and threatens her and her family if they like if if is Lisa this, continues to misbehave. This basically. isn't when he makes them skeletons, right? No, 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 no. That's way later. That's way later. Yeah, yeah. Uh Lisa of course doesn't listen and then she's she uses the Luigi board to talk to the living. I think it's a really cool, like, element of this. It's, like, rather the other way around, it is, like, the dead trying to reach through the Ouija board rather than the living using a Ouija board to reach and well, And we don't really dead. know how it happened, too, right? Because doesn't that imply that the person she's trying to communicate with, the living person, also has a Ouija board? Uh-huh. And so we don't even we don't even really know maybe which one came first. Right. Like they're kind of just working alongside each other. To reach each other, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is very interesting. Because uh, the haunting, this isn't, it's not so much a typical haunting at all in terms of like, she for a long time does not see this person. She never sees them in her house, except maybe once. She sees them right after this. In the bed? Yeah. That's the scene. That's the only yeah. That's the only time she ever sees somebody in her home. Yes. Um, Which is a girl named Olivia who's screaming at her to look under the floor. Yes. Which she does once she returns to her world. It's very complicated. Like it's very dreamlike. Uh, We're gonna talk about that. The way that she communicates with Olivia. Well, the way that she, the way that her and Olivia work together. Um, What she does with Olivia, and this is kind of how it. um, It's not so much a ghost story. It's like a weird. It is very much like time and time travel. Because what she does with Olivia when she when she's able to connect with her, um, and a lot of it, a lot of times it happens when she's playing the clarinet, she physically goes into Olivia's body, and Olivia is living in the two thousands. I guess two thousand thirteen when this came out is probably when Olivia is from, and she physically like goes into her body and sees Olivia's face in the mirror, and is able to understand like communicate with Olivia's sister and her mother and her father, and. She finds out that Olivia's father is also working on the car yeah. and also having similar, like, sometimes he's nice and sometimes he's not nice. And depending on, like, he's been getting meaner and meaner and he's smoking and, like, similar things that are happening to uh, Lisa's dad. But then she gets she can get pulled out of that very quickly. And so she and Olivia are trying to communicate to each other, not necessarily the way that you would typically see it in a horror movie where, like, Olivia can just come into Lisa's world and write things or say things like this scene in the bedroom is the only time she does that. Other than that, they just have to write things on each other's arms and leave notes for each other in Olivia's world, which is a very different way of doing things. I feel like Olivia, if this was a direct flip, Olivia would just like write things in Lisa's world that she would then find. But that's not how this movie works, which I, it's very, it's a really interesting bit but it's also where like the the cracks in this movie really show um because you don't have an understanding as an audience member how it really works yeah i think that, i actually think that's my biggest problem with the movie and I, I we should get into this later once we have some more once we set up more for the listeners but like the metaphysics of this movie 
baffle me. Yeah, it doesn't really I have sense. no idea how once Lisa starts traveling to Olivia's world, like, she's ostensibly time-traveling and inhabiting a consciousness. It's like possession, almost, it's like, also. Yeah, she, yeah. She's possessing Olivia to get clues in order to defeat this evil. We should evil we should man. set yeah, more up yeah, yeah. so that we could, like, talk about, like, what yeah. is happening. What they're trying to do. Um, so basically, we don't have to talk about, again, I don't want to talk about every clue in this, but, like, Olivia, in a, like, vision, basically leads her to, under the floorboards, there's a series of newspaper clippings about girls who have disappeared and been murdered. Like, a lot of them. In this house, presumably. Yes, dating back to the 50s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, up through 1972, which is the point at which, it doesn't actually until later, but, like, uh, I think that this movie takes place in the 80s. It does. Uh, 85, probably? Yeah. That's when they choose a video of them moving into their new house, and yeah. it's, like, 81 or something. Um, and I think that, like, the things it does with time are really interesting, because we don't really have a, like, concrete sense of, again, a future until the first time that Lisa goes to Olivia's world, of, like, this is this exists in a, like, uh, a continuum, not just stuff happened before, now, and there's the present. Well, and also... The thing that's so complicated about this is that, like, so she finds these things in the floorboards. You know, somebody was killing all these girls, kidnapping and killing them. And we know that she's dead and her family is dead. So we have some sense of, like, okay, did he also kill them? But then we also know something's happening potentially, like... She also finds the key with the, uh... Yes, the key to the the door. The thing behind the washing machine that she was investigating before. And there's this feeling of, like, okay, but he can't have been killing... Since the 50s until now and maybe also in the future, he has to be, like, so at what point is he, like, and 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 we don't, and she's a girl, but her whole family is dead. So we're like, okay, how did this man potentially transition into killing families? And, like, we just have all these questions yeah, of, yeah. like, when, when did this... When when is this about a serial killer and when is it about something supernatural? Because we have both going on now and we don't know how they connect. Yeah, uh, the guy calls her again, which is weird because the phones aren't supposed to work, uh, and says like, "This is my house. Mind your own business. Stop opening doors." Because she does go investigate under the mm-hmm. like. There's this like wet basement room where there's like she sees a vision of a girl burning up in flames, uh, and she finds all the memorabilia, poison and stuff floating in the water. Yeah, what is it? Is it ether? I don't know. It's some, It says on the bottle. It's something... It says the word poison on the fucking bottle. Does it really? It's the stupidest. I think yeah. it says ether because it's... It, the ether's a plot point with the... It comes up later with In the, the garage. Yeah, yeah, The thing she finds in that basement room literally is a bottle that says poison on it. <laughs> um, with like a skull and crossbones. Like it's a cartoon. And she finds like a string of pearls and a class ring. And it's like, oh, tokens from victims. This is the... Also the point at which... Uh, we find out that Edgar, which is the imaginary friend that the little brother has, uh, is ostensibly the, they call him the pale man, the the scary man who's been calling her and talking to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the point at which it's the stupidest looking visual scene. He like turns her whole family into skeletons, yeah. uh, to threaten her, to, to be threaten like, her, to be like, yeah. do you want to be alone? Right now you have a family to spend eternity with, but like, stop poking around. Yeah. yeah. And she like... She does is the interesting. That's why, like, I feel like this movie has it feels longer than it is. You think she she doesn't stop poking around? No, but she it seems like she's going to because she is so distraught by 
him turning them into skeletons. She's like collapses on the floor, like sobbing because she doesn't want to be alone. And it's a moment where you're like, okay, is she going to stop? And then she doesn't. And it's a, it's a very interesting turn of like, she can be so completely like on the floor about the idea of this man taking her family away, which he clearly has the power to do. And instead she's like, I'm still going to solve this mystery. <laughs> this is, I think this is the first point chronologically that she goes into Olivia's world. Uh, and Olivia's sister has a, like playing with a PlayStation move. Um, and that's the point at which she finds out. Cause she finds a newspaper clipping about herself dying. In, and, in Olivia's room. In Olivia. Yeah. Cause Olivia's looking into this Yeah, and she finds, she finds as Olivia in 2013 or whatever, uh, the newspaper clipping about Lisa Johnson, the Johnson family's death, because they died of carbon monoxide poisoning in 1985. Uh-huh. And again, like, I really like this, like, continuum of, like, our protagonist's time isn't the present. Our protagonist's time is just one data point in this, like, longer Long stretch history, that yeah. I really think is interesting. Um, and again, it's just different from what most movies do. And I think that, again, that's what I appreciate about this, is that, like, it's doing something a little different. Yeah, there's a really fun aspect of it, too, that, like, you wouldn't expect from this movie, where they do a fun, they do a couple fun little gags of her being out of time, where you, like, remember that she's from the 80s, but then she winds up in 2013, and there's just a couple really sweet moments of comedy of her being like, what is this world? Yeah. She can't use an iPad, she doesn't understand, like, the Wii or whatever. It's, it's very It's very cute. It adds a lot of, like sweetness to this movie mm-hmm. that you they don't have to do like she's solving a murder mystery like she doesn't have to they don't have to have these sweet moments but like it felt very real that she's a real character and if this real character from the 80s wound up in 2013 she would be baffled by you know what she found let's move quickly through the rest of her investigation because we could talk about all these different clues and stuff um there are some scary moments and some boring moments she finds another victim and talks to her uh, in a different time yeah, she's in the probably past. The, the first victim? Unclear. One of the first. Yeah. She's from the 50s. It's her class ring. Her, yeah. Is her name like Mildred? It's something, uh, you know, mousy. Um, anyway. Uh, but she's in the garage and she's trying to escape this man. She ends up finding out that the serial killer is Edgar Mullins, who died in 1983, which is right before Lisa and her family moved in. Yep. Um... And she's, like, sort of, throughout this, confronting her family who are all coming to terms with this in their own ways. Like, the the little brother was supposed to be finding his glasses. He finds his glasses, and he acknowledges to her, like, the night we died, I was wearing my glasses. I was afraid of wearing my glasses in this time loop because... Because then I would remember. Because I remember being dead. Uh, her mother's like, oh, I hid the clothes. Because uh, I was going to leave your father. We were. I packed them away because I was scared of what he would do. So in the time loop, she was, like, doing... They're, like, unconsciously doing that. And so, like, now mm-hmm. she's starting to acknowledge it. Um, and again, I don't want to dwell on this because I want to loop back to it. But the gist of what's happening is that Edgar Mullins, comma, serial killer, is possessing her dad to kill the family. Mm-hmm. Po- either either possess the dad to kill the family the first time. We'll talk about it in a second. I'm not really sure what, what happened. the first time? That they died. When they died of carbon monoxide poisoning in 1885. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's, that's definitely what he did. Uh, okay. And now is trying to kill their ghosts? <laughs> no. I think that, I mean, the, the the idea, right, is that, like, if none of them ever woke up... What is it? Okay, but, but they have woken up. 
So now, it's now, trying to kill- now he's just trying to get her to shut up. No, he's trying to end her ghostdom. There's like the whole showdown. Yeah. Yes. So yes. He's, yeah. Okay. I, I hear. I see yeah, what you mean. She, I think about this. He has to like redo it. The plot of the of the Does movie she... is Ghost Lisa is trying to uncover the thing about the serial killer, serial killer metaphysical super ghost. Uh, Does her dad Edgar. attack her? Yes. Okay. And there's just... the thing of the car where he's gonna like re carbon not, monoxide her. Not as her dad. Not as her dad. It's very confusing. You're thinking of the the, the later scene with Olivia's dad. He try he does try to kill her in the car, yeah. But it's not as her dad. It's as the pale man. Okay. Um, because he, he tries to he like he yes he is trying to get rid of her or at least get her to stop doing this so that he can because his goal right now is just to go kill Olivia's family. Right. Like that's his actual ultimate goal. Because that's the present. That's that, the present. That yeah, yeah. Yet. That's murder so, that he has yet to occur. Once all of her family wakes up, the dad remembers killing them. That's why he hid the spark plug so yeah. he wouldn't. I guess, okay, here's another question. If the dad found the spark plugs, would they then repeat their deaths over and over again? I don't know. I think so. I think that's what they're afraid of happening. Yes. I don't know what would actually happen. That's what they're all afraid of happening. So in their own ways, they are preventing that reality from coming true. Right. Anyway, the rest, everyone, they find their things. They come to peace with being dead. They're going to go out into the fog and then be at peace. Go into the light. Into the light, out in the fog. Mm -hmm. They all go... But Lisa stays behind because she's got to save Olivia. Yeah. She goes back into the house. Olivia's whole family. <laughs> she goes back in the house. Well, she cares about Olivia, but yeah, it's Olivia's family. Yeah. Uh, then she's in some crazy 1920s world. Weird flashback of Edgar, Edgar Mullins his parents. as a child. Yeah, killing his parents. Uh, it looks very stupid. <laughs> um, I wrote these notes, but maybe you'll disagree. She has another showdown with Edgar that isn't interesting. Francis shows up and screams at him and banishes him to the void where all of his victims That's confront when... him. That's when she is Olivia. She can't leave the house. She's she's in Olivia's. She's in her like long cardigan that she wears, and she tries to run out of the house. And he stops her, and he grabs her ankle because he's Freddy Krueger. He's like the god of yes, this world. Yes. <laughs> and then, fifties uh, girl shows up, and they all attack him. Yeah. So all of her victims. Francis is the fifties girl. I, yeah. Because there's because there's a point well, before well, this. They don't, they, they, yeah, they attack yeah. him, and then they beat him. Yes. Let's just get through this. They yeah. beat him. Uh, she saves Olivia's family. She goes into the light. She saves Olivia before that, though. Because she is, as Olivia, they get to the point where her she dad really ties save, them up. But she doesn't really save the family until she beats the pale man. Yeah. And that's when, she, does she go and have a talk with Olivia's dad? Yeah. That's before that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Guess, like, all, yeah. all of the stuff with Olivia's dad where he, he does drug her and he puts her in the car with the sister and the mom and she gets free and stops him, and that's when she goes outside to try to run away. And then once they defeat the pale man, then it's uh, then it's fine because he's gone, and no, they're not in danger anymore. Olivia thanks her. She wakes up, starts with the same walkie-talkie message, but this time it's her birthday, and now she's in heaven. And now she can leave the house. She can do whatever she wants because it's her birthday and it's heaven. <laughs> it's a very silly, Happy sappy ending. ending. It's the most like saccharine ending ever. Okay, that's the plot of Haunter. Hooray! Uh, let's loop back to some of this stuff. The metaphysics of it make no sense to me. Yeah. I don't understand... Again, I think the, the concept of it being a time loop movie and also a like sort of reverse haunted house movie and also like 
a future possession, whatever. Yeah, and all, well, there's also like the investigative element to this that it's like a a crime thriller where like she's getting clues, she's absolutely getting clues, yeah. and then like there's these like intense like sort of action actiony sequences. Um, but Edgar was killing people, and also he has the power over the ghost dimension where he keeps his victims trapped in time loops somehow uh-huh. Uh-huh. and has control over that world in order to what prevent them from going to heaven his motivations in after they're dead his motivations are very clear are unclear yeah after his victims are dead the fact that he wants to trap them in some ways is is extremely unclear to me why he keeps confronting lisa over the course of the movie like stop asking questions stop trying to wake up your family yeah, like, why wouldn't he want them to just wake up and go into the light? And then they're not his problem anymore. Yeah. Instead, he wants to keep them captive. And not even torture them, because they're just in this time loop. Is like, there some element of he want, he does want them there? They well, give him power? Because he, he keeps their mementos, right? That's the part I don't understand, in particular because they are his first victims after he's dead. He right. dies in 83. Yeah. He becomes a fucking ghost god by whatever means there's nothing in here about like oh he used to mess with the occult in xyz ways and now he no he just has the ability to possess he just somehow has lived after death and like that's what i wonder though if he has that's how he has as much power he didn't have this much power when he but that would make the first person he possesses like lisa's yeah, dad yeah, yeah so again it is but i wonder if he was i don't we have no idea the only other girl we see living any sort of time loop is the first girl. And we don't know what her actual time loop is. We don't know whether or not, like, that was disturbed by Lisa. Well, yeah. Or whether she's Even always so. in a time loop. Like, we just have no idea. Even so, all the murders up until 1983 were just regular murders. They were, like, yes. committed by a serial killer who liked to murder little girls. Everything yes. from 83 or 85, I guess, to 2013... Is Which we also have no sense of. Is committed through ghost possession. Yeah, we don't even know if... We don't, we don't know if there's families in between 85 and 2013. We do, because um, Olivia's investigating. She it's, it flips past them really quickly, but like it has mm. continued. We never meet them, though. No. Uh, it doesn't feel like Olivia's been communicating with Lisa and also whoever died in the well, 90s. They're all trapped. They're not, they're not woke. Lisa's woke. And, and so, so Lisa... Lisa wakes up Mildred... Yes, which is why presumably Lisa's been trapped in a time loop for whatever it is, 27 years. Uh, well, the reason that she got woken up is because of the necklace. Yes. That is how... Not important to listeners. But no, yeah. no, but that's, that's the thing, right? Because that's also how Mildred wakes up is because of the ring. Of the memento, right. So like that is however that connects them, and maybe that's what gave him his power in the first place. But again... The movie does nothing to explain how he has power. No, no. And again, he's not just, like, a serial killer. When he is in Dreamworld, including somehow in Olivia's reality in 2013, for some reason, when he's trying to kill Olivia's family, he has godlike Freddy Krueger powers, where he can literally stop her from walking out of the... No, because he wasn't stopping Olivia. He was stopping Lisa. And that's because she, even when she's in 2013, she's still herself. But is possessing Olivia's body. Olivia's yeah. physical human form, even if Lisa's consciousness is in it, is trying to walk out of her yard. I thought that was less, I actually genuinely thought that was less about his powers and more about her ghost limitations. About how ghosts can't leave the houses where they where they died. 
Except she could and chose not to. She she had the ability to. But that no, but not there in a different situation. The same house. No, but you know what I mean. Like it's the idea that like if I don't know. I think that the, I think I think that actually makes metaphysical sense. Is that like if she's possessing this girl, she still can't leave. She's still bound to the house. I guess he still is too powerful in a yeah. way that doesn't make sense. I hear you. I agree with that. There are also lots of like really cool parallels in this that I like. Um, in both Olivia's and Lisa's timelines, uh, the siblings are playing video games. Yeah. It's either Pac-Man or whatever she's doing with the PlayStation Move. Yeah. Um, their, their, their fathers are both working on cars. She, they both play the... Um, the clarinet. clarinet. And, like, that synchronicity is really cool. And I like the idea of... So, like, Olivia's dad smokes. And so when... Lisa's dad starts smoking in that aberrant loop uh, that is like the timelines bleeding into each other. Yeah, it's really cool. That concept to me of these like many afterlife ghost loops uh, sort of bleeding into each other is super, super interesting. Yeah, because you kind of imagine like what else maybe could have bled through. Yeah. Like maybe there was a murder in the 60s that happened and that's why she likes some band she likes or something like that. Yeah. You know, little things that have happened over the past like how many years. Yeah, yeah 20 years. Uh, that I find really interesting. And I, like, I think that the movie could have done more with that. And I... Part of me is glad that it it is hand-wavy about all of this, like, super ghost serial killer bullshit. It doesn't bullshit. try to explain it. Yeah. It's just like, this is the world we live in, that would be, it. <laughs> that would be crazy. That would be, like... Yeah. It would be so clunky if it tried to exposition that. We would make fun of it the way we make fun of all kinds of movies that yes. just lay on the exposition. But at the same time, it left me wanting more of, like okay, I don't know the rules of this world, and I don't know what Edgar's motivations are, especially once he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Because he's not trying to come back to life like Chucky or something. Like, no, it's no. Like he just wants to. He just wants to keep... He wants to continue possessing fathers and killing families. To what end? It is very Freddy Krueger-esque. I mean, Freddy Krueger has specific motivations initially. Yeah. But, like, at some point, you know, he's just murdering because that's what franchises Murderers do. do yeah. But honestly, I don't know. Just in, I mean, we can. I think we're moving towards a towards a wrap up. But mm-hmm. I, I like this movie more than I thought. Um, yeah. Did you think that the there was any intentional parallelism with the fog that binds them in their time loop and the black fog? What black fog? The black fog is a haunter <laughs> that appeared in the Electric Tale of Pikachu manga. It was a particularly vicious haunter that loved to kill people. I don't think there's a connection. <laughs> Um, sorry to burst your bubble. Do you find the move Dream Eater to be inconvenient? It requires the setup of first you have to put the Pokemon to sleep before you can eat its dreams. I don't know. I am I have never been I a fan. I haven't played Pokemon <laughs> ever. in 15 years. Okay. <laughs> Wait, is that true? No, it's been more than 15. It has been what's 26 minus 9. It's 15. Never mind. It's been 15 years. (laughs) Listeners, write in and tell me how you feel about the move Dream Eater. I think it's inconvenient, and I don't like it. And Liz is over here already pulling up the roulette because uh, (laughs) she doesn't talk about Pokemon anymore. Uh, The acting in this is fine. I'm sorry, is this a Pokemon podcast? The acting in this movie is fine. The cinematography is fine. It is mostly just workmanlike and effective. Um, Again, I I think think in summation... It's a. It's There's a, one shot that I always think of. It's just the one that's um, over the table as they eat, and maybe the only reason I notice it's because they're drinking fucking orange juice. 
with their dinner like psychopaths. That's how they're dead. They're eat. They're drinking orange juice with like chicken and vegetables. Who does that? I also hate the opening of this movie very deeply. It doesn't set up for a good movie. It's all the souls and uh, their butterflies and glasses. It's like the credits. Yeah. All right. Why don't you? Uh... Spin that roulette that you've already pulled up, and we can move on from Haunter. <laughs> Both of the movie and the Pokemon. Do you want to carbon monoxide this? Is that what we should say? No, that's horrible. I want to walk into the light. All right, let's walk into the Send light. Send this movie into the light. Our next movie will be... Ooh. <laughs> John dies at the end. Is I love a, this movie. Is it a horror movie? It is a horror comedy. Hmm. It Would is... you compare it to something we've done on the podcast before? It is... It is a. It is the tropes it is working with are horror. If Shaun of the Dead is a horror movie, then this is a horror movie. Hmm, and I think Shaun of the Dead is a horror movie. Okay. I mean, it's a horror comedy. Yeah. It's like its own. Like, We've talked about this movie many times because I've t- I've told you so many times that I want to read the book first, but I think that I am. I think I can I can waive that if we're gonna do it for the podcast. Well, I came up on the roulette. Are you gonna read the book in the next two weeks? I could. Don't doubt me. <laughs> I just read a 300-page book in two days, so probably. All right, let's not make this the fucking Liz Braggs about her books podcast. <laughs> <Little> brag. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. what? Harris Whittles invented humble brag. I know. I think about him every time I say it, because I, lo- I do lots of them. Anyway, we're going to do the 2013, I think, movie, John Dies at the End, which is a make sure that it's still very fun movie that I highly recommend to everyone to watch. Honestly, every listener should go watch this, because it's... It's a very fun movie. It's still there. It is on Netflix. Thank goodness, because that would have been a really bad thing if we had that whole conversation yeah. and didn't even check. Thanks, Roulette. All, All right. right. Well, John dies at the end. I wonder what happens at the end of this movie. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Jokes about this movie that I haven't seen. Until next time, you can find us on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. If you like the podcast, please, please, please tell a friend about it. Please, please, please. If you uh, are also inclined, go rate it and review it on iTunes. Yeah, we love those. We also love it when you talk to us on Twitter and Facebook. And we yeah, also love it when it. you talk to your friends about our podcast. Yeah, just make the make the name Now Screaming come out of your mouth. Please. Just say it from your face. And as always, thank you to Wes Craven for subverting horror tropes in a way that makes us similarly intrigued, the, yeah. this movie. But, you know, executing it better every time. Always. But uh, I feel like this movie is a little bit inspired by Wes Craven's. Probably. And has a strong female lead. Doing what? She's doing okay. Wes proud. I think she's strong. She doesn't go into the light with her family so that she can save other girls. That is like hashtag the dream. <laughs> okay. Uh, until Thanks, next time, Susan everybody. Johnson. Bye. Bye. Stay spooky.